What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with my co-host, Dan Favalli, and today we're going to be going over some awards, both real and fake, for the NBA's bubble experience in Florida. We'll be going over our first and second team all-bubble, our typical awards, the coach of the bubble, the most improved player of the bubble, the MVP of the bubble, etc., and then some fun ones that we've generated to sort of spark a little conversation here. But before we get into that, a couple of shout-outs. Uh, first, to our sponsors, NFL Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and BetOnline.ag, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Second, to anyone who has subscribed, rated, and reviewed, etc. Anything that you have done to help out this podcast, it is very much appreciated. If you haven't yet, please do that on whatever provider you are getting your podcast from. And third, to Dan, who is about to tell us how he's doing today. That was a hell of an intro. Nice, nice and succinct. Under a minute. I'm getting better. I'm info. getting better. Yeah, you're like you're, you're like Practice back in the group. Perfect or something. Yeah, I'm doing swell over here. I'm ready to talk about some bubble awards. It's just funny that you use the word typical because nothing about this is actually typical. Uh, I'm just trying to pretend. How are you doing though? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, we're, we're recording this just before the uh, the two p.m. or two p.m. Mountain time. Four p. Is it two p.m. Mountain time or yeah, four p.m. Eastern time. Four p.m. Eastern. I, I don't I don't understand time zones anymore. Time is irrelevant in 2020. But yeah, we're recording this right before the the big slate of, of Thursday games kicks off and we get to figure out finally who is going to to claim those number eight and nine seeds in the Western Conference. And I'm just excited to watch those games. Yeah, I'm like a little bit annoyed that um, the Grizzlies and the Suns are playing at the same time, but I'll deal with it. Yeah, at least we do have like there, there, there will be drama in the Portland-Brooklyn game at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes, correct. And so we are picking these awards before those games happen. If there are any situations where someone could do something to really change one of our picks, we'll, we'll obviously note that. But I don't think just because there are only a handful of teams actually playing for something in the games today that I, I can't envision these squads changing all that much. It feels safe. And, you know, just because Dan does 10 billion things every day and, and I'm trying to watch a toddler while working, like we, we have to do it at, at a certain time. The timeline on this whole thing is weird because we just don't have a break to record the awards podcast. We don't have a break to do a playoff preview podcast. So it's like trying to squeeze everything in. It's wild, but I'm excited to do these awards. Do you want to, can you, can you guide us through them? I can. Uh, so we're going to start off with the first team all bubble, which, you know, Dan and I, 
generated these separately and, and somehow managed to come up with the exact same five names. And that somehow is probably because almost everyone is going to have the same five names. And those, those are Dam- Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, James Harden, and TJ Warren, which feel like the absolute locks. And then we both had Kawhi Leonard in our fifth spot. And we should be clear that much like the all-rookie teams, we are just not paying attention positions. to positions with these. Correct. Exactly. As <laughs> always. As always. But in this case in particular. Yeah, I have. I don't know how you could build the team another way. I guess if you wanted to put, I'm trying to think of who would have a case for first team. I mean, Giannis. I really considered Giannis. I did consider him. Really, he's but been. Then he, yeah, he yeah. I mean, suspended. he's been fantastic. Still, he did get suspended, and that was like the basically the reason that I I nudged him down below onto my second team. But he's been incredible in such limited minutes. It's it's a continuation he's, of this MVP regular season, and I feel like somehow he's not getting enough credit. He probably isn't, but I do think that volume kind of matters in the bubble and because we're talking about such a small sample size. And so, you know, if he's going to play sub 26 minutes per game and then miss two bubble games, I can't, I couldn't do it. I didn't even put him on my second team. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, he's still averaging 27.8 points, 12.2 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.3 blocks. He's shooting 62.6% from the field. He's playing phenomenal defense. He's, he's doing everything, it. but yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's the issue is that he's been so good for the last two years that I think it, it is easy to overlook the continued excellence. And it's like, that's like one of the only reasons I have Kawhi in here too, is he's played more minutes and then he's just decided like, oh yeah, you know, like I'll hit my pull up three pointers now after struggling. When was the last time availability was cited as a positive reason for Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, not, didn't play in every bubble game, but he's almost at 29 minutes per game. So that little, that little oomph coupled with him shooting almost 49% from deep, really, it, it did it for me. I mean, look, he couldn't stop Devin Booker on that game winner. So that's a fair assessment. James Harden's also just been ridiculous. Uh, he's only played in five bubble games, but 33.4 points, uh, slashing 52, 33, 90, basically. And his workload is going to get incredibly or is going to remain incredibly heavy because Russell Westbrook is going to miss the beginning of the first round series with the Oklahoma City Thunder due to a, a quad strain. And that's going to be something to monitor that we'll obviously talk about when we're uh, previewing playoff matchups. But he's just been quietly great. And he dropped like a four, basically a 40 point, 45 point triple double the other day. And nobody cared like because the games didn't really matter. But it's just like we're so numb to what he's doing, too. Yeah, I don't I don't think we need to talk about Lillard and Booker quite yet because we will be getting to those two in a little bit down the road with a with a different award. So should we move on to the second team? Yeah. Who did you have on yours? So this is where it varies. And I actually just made a last minute change because I can't believe that I forgot how ridiculous Luka Doncic has been. But I, I wanted to give him some credit for averaging a triple-double um, with 32 points, 11.3 assists, and 11 rebounds per game. The clutch offense has continued to to not be great in Dallas, but he's been so excellent as an individual, um, as has Kristaps Porzingis, who I had joining him on the second team, along with Brooke Lopez, Paul George, who has been absolutely locked in. It seems like he's returned to that thunder level that he reached, and then Giannis. So my mine was similar, and I actually kind of, after we talked about him, regret a little bit not putting Giannis on here, but I didn't put Luka on here either, so at least I'm remaining consistent there. My second team was Derek White, who's just been absolutely absurd, and I think some of the defensive workload that he's carried can help carry him over someone like Luka, who, look, the crunch time issues, they're still there in Dallas, and we got to do something about Luka's crunch time free throw percentage. 64.5% on the season, 62.5% in the bubble. Small sample size, but that's just... Weird, under 17% from three. 
in crunch time. So still amazing. Like you said, average a triple double affair, but I'm nitpicking when it comes to the mega stars is basically what I'm doing here. But I had Derek White, fair. Jason Tatum, Michael Porter Jr., Brooke Lopez, who, you know, you already put him on yours, just decided, oh, I'm going to hit my threes too, was one of the worst wide open three point shooters in the league this year. By volume, he was probably the absolute worst when looking at his efficiency. And then he's shooting like 90% from three in the bubble. That's a slight exaggeration, but it's up there. And then I put Nikola Jokic, who he's been just an absolute monster, averaging over nine assists per game, just throwing r- ridiculous passes. And they're not like these cheap passes like James Harden throws, you know? Like they're actual real passes. <laughs> I, had, I had trouble with Jokic. I, I wanted to find a spot for him, but I, I ultimately didn't feel too compelled to do so just because the Nuggets haven't been playing to win every game. So he's been on the bench at the closing moments of, of contests. He hasn't played as much as you would expect, and, and he kind of failed to stand out as much as you might normally expect him to. Um, because of that and just because there are so many great candidates for these spots yeah i look and if we're being honest what we probably could have done with the exception of dame devin booker and Kawhi leonard just because they've played um well no you could with the exception of dame and devin booker and james harden because they've played so many minutes we could have just said look superstars are playing limited minutes and resting games no Kawhi, no luca no Giannis. like let's flesh out the teams from there maybe that would have been a more consistent way to do it uh, but that's what makes this interesting is because you can put people on here that normally wouldn't have a chance at making it so i just took that opportunity but Jokic still impressed me just i can't get over his his passing i hope everyone caught the sarcasm and what what i just said uh relative to james harden's passing if you did not just google bill simmons and you'll figure it out bill simmons james harden luka Doncic, you'll figure it out so speaking of guys who might not normally get credit we do have the out of nowhere team um, and, and I'll let you lead that one off. We actually only have two players in common on no, these. We're about to have another one because I decided to make the the swap just because one of the players I picked originally, uh, Javon Carter, he's not really doing anything that he didn't do during the regular season. His three-point clip is entirely unsustainable, but he was shooting okay from three and then trying to defend his ass off all year. It's, just, it's been more effective. So shout out to him. But I picked um, Timothy Luau Cabro, Cameron Payne, Gary Trent Jr., Keldon Johnson, and Bol Bol. The two that have probably surprised me the most, you could probably make a case that Gary Trent Jr. doesn't even belong on this team, but he's just done more stuff off the dribble for Portland, and he's averaging 17 points per game. Like, that's just that's just absolutely bonkers to me. Um, but TLC has surprised me. He, I don't think he's missed a corner three in the bubble. And again, that's obviously an exaggeration. I'm not sure that one is an exaggeration. That's also fair. Uh, but they might actually have like this longer term piece there it's tough to gauge because you have Kyrie and KD and you don't know they're probably going to look to maybe trade for another star of the offseason or you're going to be in like win now let's acquire veteran mode and TLC doesn't necessarily fit that but in the bubble seven games 14.1 points slashing 50 43 90 50 43 90 um and just again I, I can't get over the three-point shooting he's done some of it off the dribble too he's He's had some attacking when he puts the ball on the floor. You'd probably want him to be a better passer if you're going to have the ball in his hands that much, but he's just been super fun to watch. And then the other one that came out of nowhere for me, at least, was Keldon Johnson did not realize, I know that was his reputation in college, did not realize he was so sound defensively. Like They're putting this guy on fours, and it's just working out. And he just doesn't miss wide open threes that he generates. And so that's been absolutely huge for San Antonio. It has. Um, I... I had two differences here. Um, I, I wanted to give 
I, I really wanted to give credit to Gary Trent Jr. And I did, uh, as you'll see in a later award. But I, I felt like he had done enough before the bubble that it wasn't like totally out of nowhere, unlike what we've seen with both Darius Baisley and Grayson Allen. So Baisley for the Thunder, he's had three 20-point games this year. They came on August 9th, August 10th, and August 12th. Um, the, the role that he's taken on as this off-ball shooter has... There have been flashes of it throughout the season, but it's all coalesced in the bubble, and he's become like a legitimately valuable weapon for the Thunder, and yet another reason why they're going to be a dangerous team, um, regardless of who they're playing in the first and second round of the playoffs. Um, Grayson Allen has kind of been a punchline for a while, dating back to his Duke days when he was tripping everyone left and right. Uh, but he has suddenly caught fire. He looks like a confident shooter. He's showing some shake off the dribble. He's showing some defensive chops. He's He's been a legitimately positive presence for a Memphis team that has had few of those, to be honest, during the bubble experience. Yeah, he he shot the three ball well like all year, but what he's doing in the bubble, like now he's become essential too because no Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. They like had to have him in closing lineups even before then. So I'm with you there. And Bobo obviously quite literally came out of nowhere because he didn't play during the regular season, had the left foot injury um, while he was a, a freshman in college last year. So yes, he definitely came out of nowhere, but the minutes have been, you know, he's played over 15 minutes twice. Uh, and look, they've just, he's shown flashes of passing, being able to put the ball on the floor of shooting, and he's very intriguing. And I will say, when I was power-ranking Team Futures for the next three years, wildly underrated the Nuggets. I think I had them at six or seven. When we do our own, provided we don't know how much, how long out into the distance we're going to look, I'm going to have to put them much higher just off of both what he and, and Michael Porter Jr. have shown. And we did recently hear from, uh, from TJ McBride, uh, a Nuggets insider who is a, a friend of the podcast, uh, that... He, he does expect Bol Bol to actually get some playoff minutes, which I think is justification enough for the out-of-nowhere status, given that he has played so well in this limited action during the bubble that he might actually be a part of the Denver playoff rotation to some extent, even if it's minimal. I wonder if, if those minutes are going to come alongside Jokic or Mason Plumlee, though, because that's I want the super lines. big lineup. I not, want, I want the super three. big lineup. That would be- I want all three with Jeremy Grant. That, that would have to be a troll at the end of a game that they're winning. I feel like Mike Malone would do that, too. But also, look, there doesn't seem like they're going to have Gary Harris or Will Barton to start the playoffs unless something changes. So maybe maybe they have to go big. Like, they just don't have a choice now, even with Michael I mean, Porter Jr. You've heard the phrase, go big or go home. They don't want to go home in the playoffs. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, with Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. If you're like me, you can also actively avoid your favorite teams and favorite players if they happen to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. And visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That, uh, what's up next? We're getting to the regular awards now, right? Like the individual ones? Which we one do you want to hit first? We're going to start with the coach of the bubble. Um, and, and for me, there were, there were really only two choices here. Um, Monty Williams from the Phoenix Suns and Greg Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs. I guess you could make a case for Jock Vaughn with the Brooklyn Nets as well. Um, but they, they felt more like a product of, of teams not taking them quite as seriously. Um, I, I went with Popovich just because as impressive as what the undefeated Suns have done is, 
they 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 had more continuity moving into the bubble experience. They they'd achieved some level of success when DeAndre Ayton was available, and the Spurs are are having to overcome the absence of LaMarcus Aldridge, who has missed the entire bubble with uh, shoulder surgery and will not play for the remainder of the season, however long that lasts for San Antonio. So just overcoming that level of adversity and getting such incredible contributions out of Keldon Johnson, out of Derek White, out of DeMar DeRozan, out of everyone on that roster, except for probably Jakob Pertl, um, that that was enough to, to give him the slight edge here for me. Yeah, the willingness to, I guess, I guess his hand was also kind of forced, but like we've seen... You know, Derek White and Dejounte Murray log some more time together, and so that certainly is going to help his case. And then, like like you said, the willingness though to just go to the younger kids or the younger players at all. Um, Drew Eubanks too, getting minutes mostly because he has to, but you're sticking with him for for stretches. I went with Monty Williams though. The Suns had like a one percent chance of making the play in tournament, entering the bubble, and to keep your players motivated and engaged when you're up against those type of odds. That's hard. It's hard to do in general, but the fact that the Suns are here, I'm not going to give him all the credit. Devin Booker has been incredible. Ricky Rubio shooting out of his mind. DeAndre Ayton's been really good on defense. But the fact that the Suns just kept competing and are in the position that they're in as, as we record this, where some people, you already picked them to make the play-in tournament, that's just absolutely fantastic. And so I didn't really consider Greg Popovich as much as you did. I think he's a worthwhile choice. And again, you could go with Jacques Vaughn as well, but Monty Williams, look, through seven games, just undefeated. And there's a chance Phoenix goes undefeated in the bubble, uh, potentially a strong chance, I think, when you look at you know who's going to actually play uh, in the game. Who are they playing again? Are they against Utah today? Uh, I can't even remember. They're playing Dallas. Dallas They're playing Dallas, me. yeah. Dallas has no reason to compete in that game. So there's a strong chance they go undefeated, even if they don't. To be in this position at all, given where they were at the start, like that's pretty incredible. It is. Yeah, I think the last point on Popovich is that he legitimately admitted going into the bubble experience that their purpose here was purely developmental, that he didn't expect to make the playoffs, that he didn't expect to win many games, that he was just trying to develop these young pieces, and he's done it so well that it's like the goals have changed. And even and, just the way he's using Dario Saric, too, it's like, you know, maybe he won't become, maybe this isn't a role that Dario Saric is comfortable with long-term, but you leaned all the way into uh, bringing him off the bench and playing him a little bit at the five, and he's played really well, particularly on, on offense. So, I so much credit goes to him. Sorry to interject there, but like it was just little nuts and bolts, things like that, you know, deciding to to really lean into that with Dario Saric that I think ends up helping Phoenix a ton because now Saric, who has been turned into the spot up player ever since the Sixers um got so deep like deeper and the expectations became more immediate. Now he's able to kind of put the ball on the floor more and and control more of the the offensive outcome himself. And that's looked good on both him and Phoenix, who's been really desperate for that type of shot creation off the bench all year. Ultimately, I don't think that there's a wrong chance between these two, which might be the first time in a long time that anyone has put the Suns and the Spurs on the same pedestal. It, that is kind of typical, though, of any coach of the whatever talk. Whenever it's coach of the year, I always feel like there's at least like three to five candidates that you could pick, and it's not ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's probably two just because that that award in particular seems to depend on expectations, not just performance. Right. Like with with MVP, it's just whoever performed the best. If someone surprised and performed the best versus performed the best according to expectations, like maybe there's a slight difference there, but not to the same extent that you know if the the favorite entering the season, you know the Milwaukee Bucks, right? If they win sixty games, ho hum. If the if the Suns win sixty games, 
going into the season with with lottery expectations, then they're going to be a lock for that kind of award. Right. So most improved player. We were we were in agreement on this one. That's always fun, although that means there's nothing to debate. It has to be Derek White, right? Like who? Yeah, I, I guess who, you could like you could give credit to like Michael Porter Jr. or any of our out of nowhere guys, I guess. But yeah, I mean Derek White has has made the the like star ascension. Well, that so uh, this this will serve as a make culpa because I decided after picking Luka Doncic for the most improved player award, I realized that after not picking De'Aaron Fox last year like I wanted to because he was a sophomore, I have to go with Brandon Ingram for that award. So I'm doing the same thing here where, you know, I probably could have considered Gary Trent Jr. too, but only in his second season. And so you default to year three, Derek White. What's been most impressive about him is just all of a sudden he's like, all right, yeah, I'll shoot a ton of threes. That's fine. Um, Before the bubble, he's taking 3.9 three-point attempts per, per 36 minutes. In the bubble, that number is up to 9.7 three-point attempts per 36 minutes, on which he's shooting 39.3%. And so, look, he's averaging almost 23 points per 36 minutes as well to go with six assists. Uh, And he's getting to the free throw line more often than I expected to. We talked about this in, was it the playoff series against the, the Nuggets? Uh, last year, where it was like, oh, Derek White might be on the verge of a breakout, but I think lineup politics sort of got the best of him this season, but now he's going to be really pivotal if the Spurs want to make whatever transition they're making. If they want to make it smooth and quickly, he's just going to be huge because I think you can make the case pretty easily that he's their most important non like market, like non-Aldridge DeRozan game, like, because he's like a veteran basically at this point, but let's just say like prospect. I wouldn't consider him a prospect anymore, but I think even more so, more so than Murray, he, he's their most important prospect right now. Look, if, if you are a slot receiver in the NFL, you should want to go play for the New England Patriots because you're going to improve. If you're a pitcher in the MLB, you should want to go pitch for Cleveland because they're going to make the best of the situation. If you are a basketball player, regardless of position, you should want to go play for the Spurs because Popovich is going to make you succeed on some level. And I think that's part of what we're seeing here is like just the organization and the coaching just all coming together plus the opportunity and just the product is incredible. And I, I don't think any of us saw like this level of performance coming. And yet it also seems entirely reasonable and unsurprising because it's the Spurs. Right. And you could probably throw the Raptors on that level at this point. We just trust that 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 team is going to get the best out of you. Yeah, we're definitely getting there for them. That brings us to defensive player of the bubble. It does. Um, We did differ here. I went with Marc Gasol. The the Toronto Raptors defense has been unbelievable. They're allowing 101.8 points per 100 possessions. In the bubble, the second best is the Thunder at 107.1. Then third is the Suns at 107.5. And Gasol has kind of spearheaded all of that. He's been everywhere. He's he's defended the interior well. He's shown increased mobility on the perimeter, maybe due in part to that weight loss that we've talked about in the past. Uh, it, it's just it, it's been fantastic. It looks like he's in the middle of his of his athletic prime, and it's yet another reason that the Raptors are going to be an awfully tough out in the Eastern Conference. That's like just another testament to how good they are because he was just injured for such a huge chunk of the season, and that they had that caliber of a player on the bench for so long can then just come out in the bubble and be one of the defensive keystones of the league. I had Mikael Bridges finally starting in Phoenix. When you look at the type of assignments he's had to cover all bubble. You really have to give it up to him. And he's always just been super active. His his arms go on 
forever. His his closeouts are like teleportation. Um, good luck screening him or just getting by him. Just hustles so much on that end, and I almost feel like it's infectious. Uh, I used cleaning the glass to look at the uh, how how much the Suns were allowing per 100 possessions, and and they're seventh outside of garbage time. Um, they have the sixth best um, opponent effective field goal percentage. They've probably got a little bit lucky with the way their opponents are shooting threes, but also when you look at the way that Mikael Bridges is sort of forcing the ball out of guys' hands or or contesting shots, maybe that's actually not so lucky. And so I I went with him, and I don't I wouldn't say that this is consensus because like you said, Gasol would be a worthy pick there as well. But he's just been he's basically doing like an extended amount of what he's always done. It's just so it's it's more and it's more consistent as well. And if you're a Suns fan, that has to get you excited because you have Aiton, you have Booker, you know what Ricky Rubio is. That kind of makes Bridges like your largest swing piece. If he becomes like a like a all defense guy who can hit threes and put the ball on the floor. That doesn't make him an all-star, but that definitely changes the trajectory of your future. And that's kind of what we expected when he was coming out of Villanova, too. I think, I, I don't remember, were you as high on him as I was? I was fine. I think I might have compared him to Chris Middleton when he was coming out, which mm. probably ended up being So that's pretty fun. high on him, yeah. But I didn't watch enough of him in college to know that he could do, um, the, his playmaking off the dribble. It's been an underrated gem until now, where I feel like now yeah. it's just not a secret anymore. Hardwood Knox listeners, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, Everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code NOX. Or go to DealDash.fm slash NOX. That's DealDash.fm slash NOX. D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash NOX. So sixth man of the bubble... Uh, was another award that we we did differ on. Um, I, I went with Gary Trent Jr., who has played 33.7 minutes per game, which is why this award is kind of dumb in general, because even though he's not starting games, like he's been a very crucial component of the Portland Trailblazers lineups, even in crunch time situations. But he's been phenomenal. 17 points per game, shooting 52.6% from both the field and three-point range, which is largely because almost all of his shots are coming from three-point range. And even if that number is due to regress at some point, because no one is ever going to shoot over 50% from three at a high volume, it feels legitimate. It feels like this isn't just like some flash in the pan performance. He looks so much more confident, both in spot up situations and off the dribble. He seems to to understand like the best positioning in the half court set, where to go in transition. He's making more contributions on defense. It really feels like the Blazers have found this key piece who might give more of a window to the the Lillard McCollum combination. You wish he was just like a little bit bigger so that he could do a better job de- defending wings, but he's so good that you know you can't be nitpicky. It's funny that he might be more important to their future now than Anthony Simons, who I think Blazers would have labeled as untouchable leading into the offseason. I'm I'm with you and I almost wanted to change my pick, but Jeremy Grant kind of swayed me here. His past few games, his offense, I think it's probably the best offensive stretch of his career. Like he was I, phenomenal last night too. I, I really just don't think um, that's a stretch. His his last, you know, you remove the, his first game in the bubble and just go to his last five games. He's 
averaging 22.6 points per 36 minutes, slashing 61-41, and then 79 from the foul line. They've When they've run those like junky lineups, they've put the ball in his hands a little bit more, and he's like actually thrown some pretty cool passes. And then I don't think you want him. I'd be intrigued if they had more defensive wing talent of putting him at the five, back up five minutes when Jokic isn't on the floor. And maybe he could still get away if he wanted to go Millsap and, and Jeremy Grant in the playoffs, but you probably don't want him as a back line defender, but he can really just muck up stuff on the perimeter. And he's had some tough assignments, um, particularly when you look at Gary Harris not being readily available for for the Nuggets. So he really impressed me. And I, I kind of felt more comfortable going with him because you picked Gary Trent. So it felt like a license to to diverge. But I, Gary Trent Jr. probably would come close to the consensus pick just based on he's been molten and just such a smart offensive player. Look, it's funny that you say that you want to see Jeremy Grant at the five because I want to see him at the two. I want to see him in that lineup with, with Mason Plumley, Bol Bol, and Nikola Jokic. Who's, who's the all one? I want. So Jokic is the point guard in that scenario, which means you need like another. Like, do we just throw Michael Porter Jr. in that lineup too? And Absolutely. That's, that's the big Absolutely. lineup. Okay, that's the big lineup. That's the one we're going to be tracking for the postseason. It's going to happen. They're going to they're going to outscore everyone by like a hundred points per minute. Speaking of the Nuggets, who's your Rob? I mean, the rookie of the bubble is very obviously Michael Porter Jr. I think w- going in, it seemed like it was probably going to be John Morant or Zion Williamson as they were competing for those final spots in the Western Conference. But both have both have been disappointing. You know, Zion had to to uh, to play limited minutes at first. He was entirely apathetic on defense. Morant has struggled to maintain the same shooting percentages um, as his teammates have have struggled around him. As Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't been available. And Porter has just absolutely exploded. I'm not sure you really have to justify how good he's been because it's been so obvious to everyone watching. I mean, you had him on your second team all bubble. Right. And I think even more of his offense is coming within the flow of things. Uh, He's shooting 42% on catch and shoot threes. Um, He's just been absolutely, he's a very good cutter. He's actually made some good defensive plays in the bubble. I'm curious to see how many minutes he actually does get in the playoffs because you don't, you're probably, again, probably not going to have Barton and Harris to start. I think Mike Malone said he's going to be starting at this point. Um, and I'm just curious to see how his shot making translates. I do think there's room for him to actually do more with the ball in his hands. Uh, right now, pull up jumpers in the bubble, or no, uh, excuse me. Yes, it really is only in the bubble. They've accounted for about 22% of his of his looks and his effective field goal percentage is a blah, blah, 52.4%. But I actually think that there's, he's hitting 43% of his pull-up threes, taking about two per game in the bubble. Like this might be someone, another bailout option late in the shot clock. And I think Nikola Jokic as well, he's not a traditional crunch time option. He's just shown he can be. He's been so good in crunch time, not only this season, but as TJ McBride pointed out um, last, last season as well, he's been able to put the ball on the floor from face up positions. He's not going to be as quick as a Jamal Murray, but now you also have Jamal Murray and a Michael Porter Jr. And so they, they just have a lot of late shot clock, late game options now. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that Michael Porter Jr. was almost a consensus number one pick candidate before he started his collegiate career and had the back injuries at Missouri and played such limited minutes. Like this is this level of talent should not be surprising. No, it shouldn't. And I'm I'm almost a little bit shocked though, because it, it feels like it's come together like more quickly than I would have expected, but this certainly is his ceiling. Like, it's not to say that, oh, if this was the apex of Michael Porter Jr. or the arc, if you want to call it, that's not shocking. I think it's more so the team that he's on because the Nuggets are so good, and now they have this type of 
of swing piece for their future, this type of X factor. Right. And I'm interested to see how they handle this moving forward. They seem like a team that they're going to keep him, try and develop him, um, and make him that third star. And it's also going to become harder for them to make any impact trades because I don't know that any team's going to want to trade them a marquee player without getting MPJ back in return now. And so, look, that's a good problem to have, but it also is something that they're going to have to think about. doesn't really have anything to do with the bubble, just that Michael Porter Jr. has played himself to that kind of outlook. Yeah, I mean, and, and he really should be untouchable for that team. I can't imagine who they would move him for at this point, especially now that they're trusting him with these crunch time possessions. It would have to be like just, someone who can't even it. think becoming available. Like, if what if the Rockets decided to trade James Harden over the offseason? Right. It would have to be that type of scenario. And there are probably Nuggets fans that would push back against that because why are you going to take the ball out of Jokic's hands? It would be an interesting conundrum for sure. But that, that feels like a little bit extreme of a hypothetical here. MVP! <laughs> Of the bubble. MVP. It's a two-man conversation, right? It, it's between Devin Booker and Damian Lillard. I I put Devin Booker at first because I was like caught up in the in the Suns just moment, but it has to be Damian Lillard. Dropped, it has to be. Yeah. Dropped 80 zillion points on the Mavericks the other night. But like, could we I, – I don't know. It depends on how much you want to weight intangibles in basketball. I, I do believe they're a thing. Just don't piss off Damian Lillard. Like, if you're an opponent, like, what are Paul George and Patrick Beverly doing now? Like, it hasn't come at their expense necessarily, but, like, what are, like, don't poke the bear. He's averaging 37 points per game in the bubble while slashing 49, 41, 89. And he's taking 12.4 three-point attempts per game. I would hazard close to half those are from, like, 29 feet and out. And to see, like, the Mavericks the other night continue to play drop coverage against him was just funny because... On July fifteenth, nineteen ninety, Damian Lillard was born in scoring range. Like he just came, out, he he came out of the womb, and he was in scoring range. So I don't know how certain defenses are still not just going to trap him, and then you have to figure out the rest after that. He's been absolutely spectacular, and that's not to say Devin Booker hasn't. But when I was looking at the numbers, this is more of a compliment to Devin Booker. What he's doing now is not that drastically different from what he's doing in the regular season. The difference is more people are paying attention and he's definitely trying harder on defense off the ball. And that's always been the thing with him. It's like if he was on a good team, maybe he wouldn't be an atrocious defender. And I I think he's kind of proven that now. If you want to vote for him because you want to go best player on the best team in the bubble, perfectly fine. But Damian Lillard has been a cheat code's cheat code. Yeah, he's... He's just absolutely ridiculous. I don't I don't have much to add on his numbers or performance in the bubble. I do have a, a, a kind of different question related to Lillard for you. I posed this to a, a group of friends in a fantasy league, and I, I was surprised that I got some pushback. But is, is Lillard the most fun to watch on fire player in the NBA? I think he is. The, the pushback came largely in the form of Klay Thompson. See, I might have said it should have came in the form of Steph. Clay Thompson, ha- I, yeah. I, can you go wrong with one of those choices? It would have to be between. Not really. It would have to be between those three, and maybe if you wanted to throw James Harden in there, because he's just had some ridiculous stretches where I feel like his his on fireness includes more absurd passing than it would for definitely Clay and Dame, and maybe even for Steph. If you want to pick one of those four, I'd be okay with it. I think I would still go Steph. And maybe he just hasn't played in so long that, that we've forgotten. I did see on Twitter the other night after Dame destroyed the Mavericks that even though the Blazers barely won, I say he destroyed them, they barely won. I mean, he destroyed them. The rest of the team did not. Fair enough. Stephen Curry stand, uh, fans on Twitter were like coming out 
like like offended because people were talking about Lillard. We can appreciate the moment and still just acknowledge like, yeah, Steph's really good. He's the better player overall to me still, but he's not here. <laughs> he barely played right. this season. Damian right. Lillard's been out of his mind. There's certainly a case because there's just a case because it it's feels like the, it's like the level of swagger that comes with the performances too. I just, I feel like, you know, Steph has so much fun and, you know, he'll do his shimmies and turn around while the ball's in the air, but it's like, it's different with Dame. It's just, it's like he takes everything personally, but in a good way. And then he just wants to just like rip the opponent's heart out with these deep threes. And I think just like the, the, the ability to create off the dribble pushes him ahead of clay, the ability to create without, 50 million dribbles pushes him ahead of Harden. And then just the personality with which he plays when he's on fire pushes him ahead of Steph for me. I think I, that's fair. There's the, the, the difference between him and Steph might be Steph's is like a huggable bravado when he's on fire or just his default setting. And I think that also turns some people off because they think he's cocky. Whereas Dame, because he wants to rip the opponent's heart out, it's just easier to like that version of him. And that's totally, that's totally fine. So I, you can't go wrong with that decision. But no, I, I think not. I think I would still roll Steph. The fact that it's been so long since we've seen that volcanic version of him, though, maybe maybe Lillard's edged him out. All I can say is that if he's in the playoffs, there's just going to be a game against the Lakers. They'll lose in five, whatever it'll be. But there's going to be a game because they're not the best eight seed in NBA history. I don't even remember who said that at this point, but that's absolutely not a fact. I want to make that clear. I hope he has a game where he goes for like 65 because like those moments are just so fun to watch. 100%. And you know why you. So they guess- might also, sorry, you know why they might also be better than Steph's? I would still pick Steph. Is there's this feeling that the Blazers actually need those points more than the Warriors would from Steph because point. they have Clay. They just had KD. I think we've shown that Dre is going to need stars around him, but guess what? Next year he's going to have stars around him. So I would get that from a, for that perspective as well. That's a good point. So let's call that our unofficial, unofficial most flammable player of the bubble award and continue to roll through our made-up ones, starting with most surprising team. I had the Suns. Just again, they went undefeated here, and no one, no one expected that. Even though they played uh, the G League version of the Sixers and the Thunder, and then the Heat didn't have Butler or Dragic, I believe, when they played them. But still. Less than 1% chance of making the play-in tournament, whatever it was, and you still go almost undefeated, if not undefeated, and you're getting like all these br- like potential long-term bright, bright spots. It's like, oh, Cameron Johnson is one of the quickest decision-makers on the team. So I, it has to be them for me. It does. It, it does have to be the Suns, and they are the objectively correct answer here. So I'm just going to be contrarian just to give some some love to the Brooklyn Nets here because they deserve it. They've, they've gone 5-2. and two, They have a positive net rating. With DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Wilson Chandler, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving all out from their typical rotation, plus signing Jamal Crawford, who only played in one game before hurting his hamstring, and signing Michael Beasley, who then tested positive for the coronavirus and opted out. They have a zombie roster, and they're still competitive because they've gotten so many positive contributions from these unheralded players like Timothy Luau Cabrero, and, and Karis LeVert has been incredible. Uh, what, what they've done is entirely unexpected just because they were supposed to be this absolute doormat who were going to like fall back from the seventh seed and, you know, have no business even competing. Yeah. 
I Karis LeVert is absolutely going to drop 50 in a game against the Raptors. They're not going to win that series. You know who almost made my second team? Joe Harris. Averaging over 20 points per game, shooting 57.6% from three. He's going to get paid. Right. I He's shooting two of six from the foul line. He doesn't get there often, but that's just weird. Like, that's just a weird number for the bubble. He's had to guard, and he's always had to do this, defensive assignments that he shouldn't have to. And he's just, he's a little bit better than you expect. And I think what people are understanding, it's been like this for basically two seasons now, but he can make more decisions with the, uh, putting the ball on the floor than than people realize. And this is like a tangent, but you brought it up. I'm very curious to see what he gets in free agent because there are five or six teams that could have cap space. I don't know the number of them that are actually going to want to use that cap space, particularly with the uncertain future of are there going to be fans in the stands next season? What's going to happen with that revenue? What's the cap look like? Do like he has to get more than the mid level though, right? Like you're not going to get him oh, for the for ten sure. million dollars per year. The Nets better be the ones to give it to him because he's like a perfect fit alongside Kyrie, KD, and if you're going to keep uh, Karis LeVert, obviously. I hope that he does stay there because that team would be a lot of fun together. Yeah, um, but whoever ends up getting him, if it's probably one because they overpaid him, so that's fine. But he actually will be his next contract might not look great, but he is he's an impact player, and he almost made my second team. So he is not. On the most disappointing team, but that is our next award, and it's really know, we, an award. we're in it's agreement like a, here. Yeah, it's call a, it the crap sticker. What is that? <laughs> I, I'm I'm still going to call it an award so that the Pelicans have something to celebrate, I guess, for their bubble play. But yeah, I mean, come on, like it, it's pretty obviously the New Orleans Pelicans here, where it's the, the NBA basically like set up this format to try to get Zion Williamson into the playoffs. Um, it they didn't were, work. It they, didn't work at all. They were <laughs> a toxic and lethargic. It was just not even fun to watch. And I'm willing to overlook the Zion Williamson stuff just because he's barely played this year. And as we mentioned in the last podcast, I won't go through it. This has been like a tale of four or six seasons for him, just based on the stopping and starting. He even had to leave the bubble before he came back to it. But just in the, the elimination game, or their unofficial elimination game against the Spurs, they, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. It was just... So bizarre, and Lonzo Ball was riding such a high coming into the bubble, then just absolutely terrible. Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram didn't look like they were really in attack mode for that last um, last game, and then Brandon Ingram kind of looked like he wasn't really in attack mode following that game they played against the Jazz. So there are just so many weird questions now about their future, which we'll get into actually in a second. Uh, a disaster for them in the bubble because like you said this was basically set up to get them in there or they at least looked like they were positioned to get in there um right down to the lineups that they were running out which does fall on alvin gentry obviously just a lot of just what they were doing just made zero sense from the energy to the actual like functionality of them just nothing aligned they went from being one of the most fun teams to watch in the regular season to like oh we have to watch the pelicans attempt to play basketball again very you're quickly like, you're like holding out hope that it would change but it became clear right. like after two or three games that that wasn't going to happen right yeah just disappointing but we are going to give them a, a second consecutive award because our next one is the learn how to fish award which is going to go to the player who has made the playoffs every year until this one and it's it's jj reddick uh he he has been in the nba for 14 seasons now and this is the first time that he will not be participating in the postseason so just a shout out to jj reddick i hope you catch some good fish yeah look when you first wrote down this award by the way i thought you actually meant fishing because players <laughs> were fishing in the bubble so i was like well ben simmons is the obvious answer here uh, but yeah jj reddick missing do you remember the what he told zion williamson about his playoff yeah, streak at the beginning absolutely. of the season don't you fuck better it not up fuck it up yeah and uh whoops it wasn't zion's fault but 
that's like, you know, JJ, JJ Reddick belongs in the playoffs too. That's still just why the Sixers let him go. That's just, that's an entire different mess. Yeah. The other candidate for this award too, I think we, we thought about it, but weren't confident because of when we're recording this, but it could be the Spurs because 22 straight playoff appearances could be coming to an end. And no one in that organization has has had to fish during the first round for a long time. But here's the thing that so many of the players just don't have ties to that streak, really. Exactly. Or long-standing ties. It would have to be Greg Popovich. And I'm not picking Greg Popovich without actually seeing the Spurs lose or miss the playoffs, which they probably will miss the playoffs. Still, we know J.J. Reddick's missing the playoffs as of right now. Our next award is the the Faux Concern Award, given to the team or player who is engendering some sort of non-belief, but it's not deserved. I'm, let's just let me go first because we have to complete the Pelicans trifecta. It's the Pelicans now because as soon as they were eliminated from the playoffs, it went to you know is Zion out of shape? Like do they have to worry about his conditioning? That's I still think that's an exaggeration. Like the dude played fewer than thirty games this year. Like let's give him a chance, and he actually. When you listen to him, like you get this, he just talks older than he is. And so I feel like he's going to be fine. The questions that they have to ask, some of them are easier than others. Do we max out Brandon Ingram? You absolutely do, because if you weren't going to keep him, you should have traded him at the deadline. Uh, What do you do with Lonzo Ball? He's extension eligible, but this team looks like it has so many mouths to feed on offense. I would personally shop him. Drew Holiday, extension eligible, player option for 2021. I don't think he looks out of place on this team. It depends on how you feel about their ability to compete in the near future but the fact that he's coming up on free agency and could command more money that's something you have to think about because lots of balls extension eligible like i said josh hart's extension eligible you don't want this team to get too costly too quickly and then if you're gonna look at moving holiday you're gonna have to look at moving jj reddick he's going the last year of his contract if you think holiday looks out of place then of course jj reddick looks out of place I'm more of the mind there's Derek Favors is entering free agency. I'm more of the mind you basically run it back. I don't think Derek Favors is the best fit for this team, even though some of the lineups were spectacular, particularly on defense with him. If he's fully healthy and you can get him for a, a cheap cheap deal, that's fine. I think you need a five that can space the floor around Ingram and, and Zion Williamson long-term. And I'm not saying they need to go out there and trade for Miles Turner. If, if he's available, I'd look into it, but you don't want to give up the farm for him. But I think this team is on the verge of something really special and sustainable. And the the biggest change I would make is seeing what you can parlay Lonzo Ball into. Can he be part of a blockbuster package that brings you back a Miles Turner or a high impact player? Or is it just a matter of, you know what, we need to, we need to divest right now. Like let's see if we can get back picks and prospects for him because he's coming up on a payday, but I'd keep Drew. I'd keep JJ Redick. I'd absolutely keep Josh Hart. I'd look at what it costs to extend him. And yeah, I'd monitor favors. I'd try and get a spacier center. There aren't a ton of those on the open market this year, but you know, imagine Paul Millsap in New Orleans for the mid-level <laughs> smaller. Even Marcus Gasol, they play really fast, but Marcus Gasol's played really fast with Toronto too. And so that that could work out. Those are the things that I look into, and I don't think we need to relitigate their future. It's still one of the most blindingly br- blight, uh, blindingly bright ones in the NBA. Yeah, I've made my thoughts clear here on previous episodes that I think you can just entirely run it back. I still have confidence in Jackson Hayes' development. I love what I've seen from Lonzo Ball pre-bubble when he gets to play next to Zion, which should be happening more frequently next season. So I just I don't have any long-term concerns. I agree that there there don't need to be any any worries about that right now. That said, my choice for this award was the Lakers. Um, as we are recording this, they have 65 points 
with eight minutes left in the third quarter and are losing to the Sacramento Kings. They are already three and four in the bubble. They have the worst offensive rating in the bubble. They've been outscored by 5.6 points per 100 possessions. They have had some of their, their biggest flaws exposed, um, namely their, their lack of shot creation ability without LeBron James on the court. Uh, the, the point guard rotation is, is messy. Anthony Davis has not been able to elevate the team when LeBron isn't on the court with him. And yet, I don't think that we need to be concerned. We've been down this road before so many times with LeBron James's teams where it seems like they're in a decline before the playoffs. It doesn't seem like they're a legitimate contender based on some of the underlying numbers. And then they take it to another level in the playoffs because LeBron is incredible. Um, they're going to figure it out. They have two of the top five players in basketball on their team. They have a number of legitimate decent role players. Kyle Kuzma has shown significant growth within the bubble. If he can keep shooting like this, they're going to be even better. Just... If, if you're concerned about the Lakers, like, sure, voice the concerns while acknowledging th- how how little they've needed to care about this bubble experience because they've already locked up the number one seed and had nothing to play for other than keeping their players healthy and maybe experiment maybe experimenting with some new players and some new rotations. They're going to be fine. Yeah, and look, I would even view it as, look, you can, for one, I don't think you could be concerned until you have to be, which would be, do they suck in the first round of the playoffs or something? And there's a lot of questions for them because they don't have Avery, Avery Bradley. I think Rondo being absent actually helps them, even though they need another ball handler. I'm actually almost encouraged because if Kyle Kuzma is going to shoot like this, that helps their team out oh so much. And he's been defending well too for a good port of a good part of the season, and also for like a good part of the past two seasons. Just hasn't been awful. And now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking even longer term. I know people think this is LeBron's best sh- chance at getting a title. I don't disagree, but I might even take it next year if Kyle Kuzma is going to play like this, even with the Warriors returning, because now you have Kyle Kuzma. You're going to have the non-taxpayers mid-level this season. And the idea of adding an impact guy, because you know the Lakers will spend, unlike other, team, on t- other teams, on top of Kuzma, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, um, assuming Avery Bradley picks up his player option, they'll still probably be able to afford to keep him even if he if he doesn't. Like, There's a nice little base there. What this also does for them if Kuzma's going to play like this long term is once you sign him to his next contract, he becomes eminently more tradable because he's a bigger cap hit, and if he's playing really well and teams want him, now all of a sudden you have a more attractive trade piece. And so, yes, I'm, I'm thinking far down the line, but that's what people kind of try to parlay these stretches of, should we call them, like, humanness from LeBron into like oh is this where he's going to finally decline let's relax it's not a problem until it is and it's not yet a problem agreed so we have two more awards before we wrap up and and both of these are Dan's creations so I will uh, I'll let him introduce them <laughs> this one was most likely to <laughs> most likely to send an Alex Jones video to the team group chat I have Michael Porter Jr. yeah definitely a Michael Pizzagate Porter Jr. excuse Pizzagate is real Porter Jr. Definitely a valid choice. I'm going to go with 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 Terrence Davis from the Toronto Raptors, who uh, the biggest headline that he made in the bubble was cutting a hole in the mask that he was wearing because he believes that coronavirus is a hoax or whatever. And the Raptors had to sit down and have a conversation with him. I think that, that because he is directly denying the existence or the impact of the pandemic in the controlled bubble environment, whereas Michael Porter is at least following the protocols, <laughs> he, he was he was my choice here. Uh, Dwight was warned like 80 times to put on a mask too, so honorable mention to him. And look, I understand in the case of Terrence Davis and Michael Porter Jr., I, I want to say younger kids make mistakes. And so, you know, I'm happy there wasn't this level of social media exposure when I was Michael Porter Jr.'s age. I also wasn't saying dumb shit like this, like when it was just so obvious that it was bad. And so I, I think that, 
you can give their future the benefit of the doubt. Like, hopefully they'll become more informed moving forward. But they absolutely positively deserve to be dragged for these takes. Rudy Gobert, not all opinions are facts. Like, drag him too. I wouldn't put him in the Alex Jones category just yet, though. But Dwight Howard, Terrence Davis, and Michael Porter Jr., like they deserve the criticism they're getting. I hope this doesn't become. As we said before, yeah. as we said before the podcast started, it's great that that Michael Porter Jr. and Rudy Gobert are going to be playing in the first round. They are right. That's locked in. I'm the not, not making that the up. Not all opinions are facts, Bull. Yes, exactly. Like whoever loses that series, they're just going to deny the loss. <laughs> did it? If it happened in the bubble, did it actually happen? Exactly. Who knows? The last award, apparently, or not apparently. So it has some explaining. We call it the Bubble Yum Award. And so anyone who's had Bubble Yum knows that the flavor can be really good for like 30 to 120 seconds, but then it's either bad afterwards or you don't know how it's going to be afterwards. You have to get like a good stick. So this was to target players that were spectacular in hyper-limited playing time. It wasn't to say that they would suck if you gave them more minutes. In fact, the player that I chose played decidedly more minutes in his team's final game of the bubble and, and fared well. But that's that's who we were targeting. I went with Chris Boucher, who is just an, an absolute monster statistically. Uh, early bird restricted free agent, by the way. So there's a cap on how much he could earn. But I'm just interested to see if there's competition for him outside of Toronto. But in the bubble, in 12.2 minutes per game, he averaged 9 points, 4.3 rebounds, 1.2 blocks. He slashed... 61, 56.3% from three, and then he shot 70% at the foul line. If anyone cares about what this is going to amount to per minute, he averaged 26.6 points, 12.8 rebounds, 3.4 blocks per 36 minutes. And again, the the, the shooting from three that he's provided, like the release is not the quickest, but their teams are going to leave him open. I want to I want to see him get minutes in the playoffs. Hopefully the Raptors blow out the Nets enough in the first round that we can see him on the floor. But just the level of activity he provides as a shot blocker, put him in your real rotation, Toronto. Like I know you have Abaka and Siakam and, and Mark Gasol, but do, that needs to be their troll lineup. There it is. Siakam, Gasol, Abaka, Chris Boucher. Who else who else can we throw in there? Like I I just can't wait to see that lineup against the Nuggets super big lineup in the finals. That would be great. <laughs> that would look it would, if those two teams make the finals, it has to happen. Happen, and we'll cap it off just because we can. Um, I, I, you know, we have uh, Hernandez from the Raptors, but I'm just going to throw Stanley Johnson in there because he hit a game winner the other night, and so he's I think he's six eight, so that that's big enough. Fair enough. Boucher is a great choice. Um, I, I'm going to maybe cheat a little bit here. He might have played a little bit too much to be eligible for this non-existent award, um, but I'm going to go with Robert Williams the third, who had a DNP in the first two games of the bubble he played 13 seconds against the miami heat and managed to foul three times in his, in his first bubble appearance. but then from that point forward it's like that motivated him and he's been fantastic in the next four games um while playing 14.8 minutes per game he's averaged 11.5 points and 4.8 rebounds he shot 82.6 percent from the field and 88.9 percent from the free throw line those obviously aren't sustainable numbers, but I think it goes to show just like how effective he's been as a rim runner and roller while also showing more growth on defense. We've seen flashes from Williams in the past, the Time Lord, um, on both ends of the court, really, in this limited around the rim role on offense and as a rim protector on defense. But he's it, it looks like he's become even more and and could have a legitimate role with a Boston team that is is trying to figure out what exactly it's going to do with its center rotation come playoff time. I don't know if you listened to the most recent low post, but he called Robert Williams the third the Michael Porter Jr. of the East, 
And I'm, I try to, you know, I try to be someone who admits when they actually don't know things because I think one of the problems with NBA Twitter media in general is that we're afraid to admit when we're wrong or that we don't know something. I have not seen nearly enough of Robert Williams III this season to have made that claim. So I went and I was watching clips of him, just random ones from the regular season on plays and then some, some of his um, bubble tape. Holy crap. Like if the Celtics now luck into like they have Tice and Robert Williams III and it's like, Oh, they're just set at center. Like, no cap space, no real. They have some draft equity, but not, like, high-end draft equity. And, and you're like, oh, wow. So he looks like he's going to end up being really good. And, boy, does that guy have some bounce to him. Yeah, I mean, he just – it's the classic, like, uber-athletic big man conundrum where he fouls a little bit too much to stay on the court. See, 3,013 seconds. Well, this is the perfect Funny. award for him because it's like, you know, like if Mitchell Robinson was in the bubble, yeah, I want Mitchell Robinson to play 35 minutes a game, but they don't give him 10 fouls. And so that might yes. be a problem. Yes. That that concludes this first edition. I don't know if it'll be the last edition, uh, given where the state of the coronavirus pandemic will be uh, for next season. But this was our initial and I'm going to say probably not final edition of, of the Bubble Awards. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the made up ones. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Uh, please, please, pretty please with Sugar on Top, remember to subscribe and de- to this podcast and download every episode. If you are using Apple Podcasts, or even if you're not, please just go in there, subscribe. It helps us out. Leave a rating, uh, leave a rating and a review, five stars only, please. Any constructive criticism is fine. Seriously, we take it all under advisement. We're reading it. Help us out on YouTube as well. We're trying to build up that account. Uh, YouTube.com, search Hardwin Ox, just subscribe. And our podcasts are on there if you want to listen to it there. Again, if you don't, still just subscribing and liking our videos helps a ton. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox, also at MBA underscore math. Fantastic account where you're going to get even more um, statistics than you do from us. We try and blend personality with stats, with context, with anecdotes, with whatever. And so we do try to make this a comprehensive, well-rounded podcast. And I think we've done a good job thus far. But if you have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, leave me alone. Hit Adam on Twitter at Frommel09. Just kidding about leaving me alone. I, I love you all at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. Until next time, we leave you with the shout-out to the one, the only, the Bubble Yum Award winners, Chris Boucher and Robert Williams III. Sports are back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.